Today's episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. Welcome everyone to the Republic of Football. I'm your host, Shahan J. Roger, the college football insider at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find all of our work at texasfootball.com. You can find us on Facebook, Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find us on Twitter at DCTF. If you're not already, please become a subscriber at texasfootball.com slash subscribe. Uh, as always, we've got Ishmael Johnson here. Ish, how you doing? Yo, what's up? Huh? Nothing much, nothing much. Nothing really changes anymore, does it? It's just kind of... <laughs> I was about to say, there's nothing, yeah, there's nothing really new every, any, uh, any time we record. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, <laughs> have you, I mean, are you at the point now where just every day is the same, or like, you can't even tell when it's a weekend, weekday, all that sort of stuff? Yeah, yeah, I guess like, especially right now when like we use some part of the weekend to probably work some more because yeah. of the magazine and stuff, but... It, it, I definitely the days that I definitely know exist are Sundays and Fridays because like Sundays obviously like okay I probably should put in a full day tomorrow right <laughs> it's Monday uh, Fridays more like oh, I can take it a little easy yeah tomorrow like but those are the only like Saturday uh, Fridays and Sundays are the only days because it's like okay I need to adjust my work accordingly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah see and i was curious about that right because obviously like for, for yeah. me right now april is april is probably other than football season the busiest month of my entire year right because right. it is full-on i'm writing everything season like i'm obviously mm-hmm. right now it's a mess just trying to get every interview that i need I, it's the worst thing in the world i hope that we don't have a virus mm-hmm. heading forward uh and <laughs> and yeah so like it's funny because like last friday i kind of took it easy but then I was like, I guess mm-hmm. technically it's Good Friday. Like, technically that's supposed to be a right. day off. You know, so I'm kind of just like, I'll take Thursday as sort of an off day and then work Saturday and Sunday. And, you know, it's just, it's all the same. It's all the same. <laughs> and, like... Yeah, it's all literally all the same. And there's really, like, there's nothing to... Because, like, I used to mark my calendars with, like, you know, movies come out on Friday and, like, albums come out late on Thursday night, you know, early Friday, or, like, video games come out Tuesday. Right. It's like, that's kind of all stopped, and it's like... Right, right. And so, like, you get some random music releases, but, like, for the most part, you know, those have gone away, so you're just like, okay, there's nothing there's nothing that kind of marks your Thursday night, or there's right. nothing that kind of marks your Friday. Well, and, and the other thing, too, is that you mentioned, like, with music releases, like, a lot of them are just, like, here's an album, you know? Like, it, it mm-hmm. wasn't even, mm-hmm. like, hey, here's the lead-up, it's coming out on this Friday, it's just... Right. It's just happening you know and and mm-hmm. and look i mean i i can't be the only one who used to mark their weekdays with you know uh thursday's tnt night uh wednesday and friday yeah. are espn you know it's just mm-hmm. it's different it's different uh, sunday's abc <laughs> right 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 you know you might get a, a day game in there but right. yeah it's a uh, it's weird it's weird <laughs> obviously yeah. But, um, you know, the, the, the content mill churns on, obviously, again, you know. We're still working hard on that magazine. We still plan to release it uh, exactly the same time that we were before. So, you know, mm-hmm. please please don't take us for granted because, my God, this is weird. This is really, really weird. This is really weird. But um, it is funny, though, because, you know, we've been talking with Greg, obviously. From a questionnaire perspective, it sounds like uh, it sounds like we're ahead of the game. It sounds like everybody's just kind of at home <laughs> just wanting mm-hmm. stuff to do. Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, well, obviously we're a college football show, so uh, not a whole lot has happened, obviously, the last couple of weeks, which is understandable, right? Like, I mean, what is there to really do? Um, you know, a, a little bit of news. Uh, St. Edwards in Austin, 
apparently they're going to be cutting six sports out of their 16 varsity mm-hmm. sports. They're not a football school, so it's not necessarily something that affects us in any way. But it's one of those things that you worry, you know, what could happen? What's about to happen? I mean, it. and so actually just uh, yesterday or today, Yahoo Sports uh, reported on this uh, this sort of memo that was sent by a lot of the group of five uh, conference commissioners to the NCAA. And they're basically asking, like, can we relax some of the requirements on what it takes to be an FBS team? You know, can we relax mm-hmm. the amount of sports that you want that we're required to have, which they're required to have, I believe, 16 right now? Can we relax the amount of scholarships we're required to give? Can we relax the attendance requirements, which obviously this fall, even if we have football, we don't even know if that's going to be a factor at this point, obviously. And, right. and look, I mean, if we do have football this fall, I mean, don't get me wrong. Kyle Field's going to be sold out. But, like, I, how many people are going to be afraid to come to games, right? Sure. Like, especially when you start going down to those lower levels, right? I, I mean, if you, you know, if you're a UTSA fan, right, and you're in a dome and it's pretty packed in there, you know, like, how comfortable are you going to feel? Yeah, it, it's it's going to be, I mean, we talked about it a little bit on our last episode, you know, where we talk about what form of the game are we going to see this yeah um and where the ncaa is going to choose to lack some of its rules things like that i think ohio state recently projected that they i mean if they don't allow gate ticket sales you know it's going to be roughly a 50 million dollar loss something like (laughs) that um and i think cincinnati already cut wrestling i think no so it was old dominion Um, cut wrestling cincinnati cut old dominion uh, cut uh, cut men's soccer soccer. yeah yes and so you know Obviously, football. You you would you would assume football is the last thing that would be touched right. in this scenario, um, which still creates a, a ripple effect towards the other so the other sports. Um, the six sports I think that St. Edwards cut were both men's and women's golf, men's and women's soccer, and men's and women's tennis. I think that's right. I think that's right. So, and obviously for them, it's you know, baseball, softball, basketball are the biggest ones, um, and they don't want to cut those, but. Obviously, in order to sustain a model that's going to overall probably lose you money, you're going to have to cut everywhere else. Right. And um, that's where the that's where this, this letter from the group of five commissioners has kind of come in. And I mean, I, I'm curious to see what the NCAA thinks, because we talked about the I think the nightmare scenario for group of five is when the power five looks at this and is like, huh, we can hold our own. Right. You know, like like and if, and if this letter it, it's going to be interesting to see what what response this garners or garnered because I don't I don't know when we this letter was sent last week I think I don't know if I, I think it was sent or last or... week and just reported on today but we haven't heard anything right. in response right and so like right and so we don't know what the NCAA's opinion of it is or what what their thinking is or if they're you know doing what um, similar to what the UIL is doing where it's like they're waiting until the last you know right. they're, they're waiting to make sure to make a certain decision as opposed to you know a half-baked one or right. you know, which uh, is we'll smart this right right which is which is the smart thing to do um because obviously they they don't want to cut some things and and make and end up in a you know this this whole situation is better in three months and all of a sudden they cut something for no reason or you know they want to op- keep all possibilities open but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what the NCAA's response to this is. I think for the group of five commissioners, I mean, this was the sensible thing to do, obviously. Right. Like, you're they're the ones that are going to be hurt by 
you know, potentially uh, UAB not being able to play football, right? Um, right. Old Dominion not being able to sell twenty to 30,000 seats in their stadium, so. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, so, uh, so yesterday, I know that Baylor was one of the first schools that kind of outlined the sort of cuts that they're going to be making. So, again, for these big schools, a lot of it is just going to be postponements on, like, facilities and stuff like that. You know, stuff that that matters, but not stuff that super matters per se, you know, like, Mm -hmm. like Texas isn't going to have to cut 10 sports, you know, that's, that's not what they're going to be sort of facing. Um, You know, and, and one thing that was sort of admirable that, that Iowa State did is that their athletic director went to their highest paid head coaches to Matt Campbell, to, uh, to Steve Promal them. And basically were like, if you take 10% pay cuts just for next year, at least, we don't have to cut jobs, right? And mm-hmm. and that is something, too, that I'm curious about. Because, like, again, I don't think that we're talking about Texas A&M. I don't think that we're talking about Texas. I don't think we're talking about places where their coaches are getting paid $7 million, right? But, like, right. Um, but like let's, let's take, like, a half step down, right? And, like, Houston is working with a lot of the same sort of margins and stuff like that. Um, or they're paying out sort of the amounts that a lot of these high schools are, you know, do they go to Dana Holgerson to take a cut? You know, do they go to Kelvin Sampson to take a cut? Because, like, like Houston's got a lot of money. They got a lot of donor support. Mm. They got a lot of enrollees, obviously. But, like, the payouts that they're getting from the American Athletic Conference versus what, you know, schools are getting from the Big 12 and SEC, it's just different, right? And so, right. Um, you know, and and obviously the flip side of that is for especially some of the lower group of five schools. Like, take a North Texas, for example, right? Like, Seth Luttrell gets approximately 900,000 a year, I think it was. Uh, maybe, maybe he's actually over a million, but, like, you know, he's not making seven and a half. He's not Jimbo, right? Right. And so you sort of wonder, like, you know, the difference for Seth between, you know, a, a million and, and 700K, that's a much bigger difference than between, you know, 7.5 million versus 6.5 million, for example, you know? So it's just, it gets complicated, mm-hmm. right? Like, I mean, it's kind of yeah. easy for these bigger schools um, to do that. Now, one thing that I'll ask, do you think that in a way that obviously this is the worst way this could have happened, but do you think that this is going to have an impact on sort of the wildly inflating salaries of especially top football coaches? Good point. Um, I think it has to, I think it has to um, because I was reading that Cincinnati through cutting soccer and once they're done with their allotment for this, this academic year, yeah. Um, they can roughly save $800,000 a year yeah. completely. And so, like, I think when you look at it from that perspective, like, you know, I, I, at least for the short term, at least for the next, you know, probably five years or so as they, as teams cut programs and try to, you know, make up for the losses that they, that they got. I mean, a Jimbo contract, I think, is five years away, right? Yeah. I think another um, uh, a Dabo or Saban extension uh, to that magnitude is is probably you're probably looking at twenty twenty five, right? To right. to get to those figures again, um, whether it's coaches like that taking a pay cut to help fund other things in their university, or um, or just schools being reluctant to maybe fire head coaches um, and make a new hire because they know they can't afford somebody right. or something. It's, it's coaches maybe staying at schools because they know they can't get a, a better rate elsewhere. Um, I think naturally you're going to see that because, I mean, you know, Cincinnati cutting men's soccer isn't 
a move for 2020. It's a move for 2021 and 2022 because they have to make up those losses that they were expected to, that they're going to be expected or that they're projecting for 2021, right? right. They're, gonna, they're not going to have the money from this this next year to fund everything coming up for the academic year. And so, you know, it's not a, sh- these aren't short-term plans. These are, okay, in three years, we're going to have a lot less money from these next three seasons, potentially. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's obviously so complicated because, like, schools feel like they do need to do these sort of crazy, wild sort of, to me, out there things to try to compete, right? Um, but, you know, mm-hmm. the other thing I'm curious about, too, is, like, obviously athletic donations are intended for that specific school, per se. But, like, again, if you're A&M, right, and you have X amount of dollars, but, you you know, Texas A&M is not going to be super affected by this. That's not really an issue. Mm. Tarleton State, you know, for example, no, I mean, Tarleton, I think, is still going to be okay. But, like, I think a better mm. example might be, like, West Texas A&M, right? Like, West Texas A&M mm. might just have issues retaining professors right and they're yeah. they're part of the texas a&m system we're not even talking about athletics at this point right and that's sort of the question that i start coming to is, is with some of these public school systems does it start becoming a all right this was a bad idea you know in alabama like you mentioned i mean we're not even talking about uab football the university of alabama at birmingham you know when are mm-hmm. they going to have to start making decisions that eventually has at least some impact on what the University of Alabama and what Auburn University can do. You know, that's that's sort of mm-hmm. the questions that I think are going to be interesting to watch. But, I mean... One, I- of, the other, one of the other things um, that I think is going to be interesting more so, more so, I think, when it comes to non-football sports. Yeah. But I'm curious, I'm curious to think what it might have, what impact it could have on football is scheduling. Yeah. Because right now... If they if we were to start the let's say the basketball season right uh, where they play where they travel multiple times a year, um, basketball or baseball, if they if West Virginia yeah were to continue its basketball and baseball season as is schedule as is yeah, how many trips to Texas is that yeah a lot how many trips to Oklahoma is that how many trips to, you know how how ge- geographically it always it was always weird right West Virginia obviously was always weird in the Big Twelve. But even more so now, yeah. when you have to, these, you're going to have these budget constraints and you're going to have schools like West Virginia who are like, wait, why aren't we just playing Maryland? You know, yeah. like things like that, where it's just where we're, I'm curious what happens. And if that's in the conversation at all, if there's some temporary, I don't want to say conference shift or if this raises the discussion of conference shifting or something like that, because I mean, let's get down, let's get down below power five. Let's go to you know, um, Old Dominion Conference USA. Right. You know, how many how many trips to Rice, to FIU, to, you know, to um, uh, UTSA, right. to La Tech, right? To that's UTEP. So, you're going, you're UTEP, right. That's so many trips to states where, and, and you're looking around you and you're like, why are we, why are we playing, you know, I mean, this is FCS, but why aren't we playing James Madison or something? Yeah. You know, somebody around your region. Right. Right. No, and, and I think it's a good question. And I mean, the funny thing about all of that is that there's no uh, state better position to take advantage of that than Texas, right? Like, I mean, right, you've right. got an emergency you know, Southwest conference, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and I mean, and I think that actually from a non-conference perspective, but in every sport, especially football, but every sport, you know, the state mm-hmm. is very specific about wanting to play a lot of these in-state schools, you know, like again, from covering Baylor basketball, they schedule like seven in-state schools every year. And a lot of it's just for the payout, yeah. right? Like a lot of it is just, 
here's some money, Texas Southern, you know, like, and, Mm -hmm. and so, um, and obviously in football non-conference is the same sort of deal where SFA and UTSA and all these schools are sort of playing power five schools consistently because Texas wants to keep the money in state. Right. Um, right. You know, and, and I think, I think that a move towards that, especially at the group of five level would be a very good thing. Right. Like I, I think that, you know, maybe the American, you can kind of get away with it. Maybe there's at least a somewhat enough money there, but like, you know, once they're getting down to Conference USA, like you said, I mean, North Texas having to play rivalry games with FAU kind of sucks, you know, to just mm-hmm. have to make that trip. And even Charlotte and even, you know, obviously, like you mentioned, Old Dominion and Marshall. Like, I mean, it's just a tough trip uh, for everybody. And and so, I mean, and maybe the flip side is obviously, you know, we have divisions in the sport. Maybe we move more towards sort of that sort of pod scheduling that we've talked about, you know, stuff like that, where it's a little bit more regionally based for some of these schools that are struggling. Who knows? I mean, obviously, we won't know mm-hmm. until the end of this. We also won't know how this will really end. I mean, the effects long term might be less than we think, too. You know, we just don't right. know at this point. It's only been a couple of weeks. But um, but I mean, I think that it's hard to sit here at home for this many weeks and, and not have sports and not think that this is going to impact everything in some way. So we'll have to see. I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting, yep. but let's go ahead and move on to some news. Okay. So we've had two personnel change situations since, uh, since we last talked. Uh, the first just happened like 10 minutes ago. Uh, and that's um, Texas tech added an offensive lineman, get this from the FCS ranks. So, Wofford graduate transfer Josh Berger is heading to Texas Tech. He's a tackle. Uh, he started the last 25 games that Wofford was considered their best offensive tackle. Now, the funny thing about it is that he played in an option offense, right? So, like, he's mm-hmm. stepping in from an option offense to literally Texas Tech, like the most opposite of that that you can imagine. Um, but, you know, you look at what they're losing. I mean, I think that I did the math that I think that Texas Tech is losing 81 starts at tackle between uh, Travis Bruffy and Terrence Steele. Like, that's brutal, right? <laughs> that's that's yeah. brutal. But, um, you know, obviously Texas Tech has never been shy about trying to take graduate transfers, especially since Matt Wells took over the program. Um, you know, they started mm-hmm. like four of them last year. And, um, and uh, do you think that it's really possible to, to be prepared to make a jump from FCS to a consistent Power 5 starter? Um, it's possible. It's, oh man, I'm, I'm, I'm really curious to see what I'm trying to, th- I was trying to look up where he's, okay, so he's from Ohio. Yeah, Aurora, um, Ohio. Yeah, so I was trying to think like, oh, maybe he grew up, if he has any familiarity with Texas offenses and, te- you know, spread-based <laughs> schemes and things like that. I don't know. Um, but I mean, it, it's so weird. People end up in FCS for so many different reasons. Um, sure. Who are, I think, who are more than qualified to start. Well, Titus um, Howard. <laughs> no. Right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think the interesting question is, what did Matt Wells see in him? Right. Um, because not only is he FCS, he's a completely different system, like you mentioned. Right. Um, and what did he see in his own roster that he was like, oh, let's get this guy in you know right (laughs) was was there was there a glaring weakness to be like you know maybe you just need you just need someone with starting experience and you just you were just willing to get this guy who has a lot of games under his belt well i don't know and and get bodies in there i think is the other thing too i mean you know Mm -hmm. it's just if this dude's fourth string because you have a bunch of dudes better than him great you know you're only using up one year of scholarship you know obviously they managed to get him in sort of within their their 25 allotment this year you know so if you can do it i mean i think that is a good place to try to take it and 
I mean, you know, like I said, Titus Howard was a first-round pick and ended up being one of the better starters in the NFL this year in his first season from Alabama State. You know, so, I mean, it's not like – if you're good at a different level, a lot of the time you're good at any level because you're just doing things right, right? And mm-hmm. and maybe you need to get his strength up. I mean, he's 290 pounds, and, and he'll gain weight, obviously, when he's not playing in sort of an option system because you don't have to be quite as mobile. Um, you know, and, and the other thing, too, is that it's not like it's not like Texas Tech just found this absolute just random player because Indiana also offered him and uh, mm-hmm. South Florida also offered him. So, you know, this is a yeah, guy... And Indi- Indiana and Rutgers, too. And Rutgers as well. Yeah. Yeah, so th- there you go. I mean, you know, that's... So he had Power 5 attention, and I think that obviously, you know, anytime that you add an experienced player into a program, it's a good thing. Again, I mean, the gap physically between FCS and Group of 5 and Power 5, they're big parts and there are little parts, right? It's really more mm-hmm. about trying to figure out what it is exactly that he excelled at at that level and what exactly he struggled with. Again, with a lot of the kids in FCS, it's going to be that they're a little smaller. That doesn't seem to be as much of a problem for, for Berger, who, again, is 6'4", 290 right now. The question is, can mm-hmm. you add that last bit of weight onto him? And I think that, obviously, you know, they seem to have faith in their program. So... The other uh, big addition that happened, it's, it's always big news whenever a quarterback transfers, right? So right. we got a new one at UTSA. New Mexico State grad transfer Josh Adkins is heading to UTSA. He'll actually have two years of eligibility remaining. Um, you know, and, and, and last year in our magazine, we actually named him the top Texas kid among independent colleges, which obviously there's only you know four or five or whatever, but you know we every year in the mm-hmm. magazine we pick that for our national preview, and he was that last year. So um, he's a guy who started for two years at New Mexico State, a very good starter. You know, somebody who who threw for more than five thousand yards during his two seasons as a starter. And I was a little surprised when they decided to to add a grad transfer, um, just because I thought. I thought that between Narcisse and between Frank Harris, two guys who have several years of eligibility left, I thought that they mm-hmm. might feel like they had something, but clearly they didn't feel that way. Yeah, I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm actually not too surprised. Yeah. Um, I think they, I think when you look at the depth and when you look at where UTSA has been the past couple of years with the depth, yeah, I think they needed. I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he looked at Narcisse and was like. Thanks, but no thanks. Yeah, <laughs> you oh, know, oh, like for sure, for um, sure. even as a even as a backup. But yeah, I'm not I'm not too surprised. Um, he's a for those of you that don't know, he's a, a Smithson Valley kid yep. from the area, yep. um, and so it's kind of is a little bit of going back home for him. But I mean, uh, yeah, it, if, you would assume Frank Harris is obviously the guy going in. Obviously, you want somebody to maybe push him. You don't want him to get too comfortable on the spot. But I I'm not too surprised. Um, you know, Jordan Weeks, we don't know what really he's if he's ready right now or if he will be ready um, to be a capable backup or um, emergency starter. And so, yeah, I'm not I'm not I like I like the addition. Um, he's not going to like the world on fire. Right? He was OK. I, I mean, he's he, I think his freshman year, he was really good. And then his sophomore, year, he kind of just decided to throw every interception possible. Um, <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> but uh, at UTSA. He is a very he'd be a very capable backup. He'd be a very capable guy to have in the locker room. And like I said, he could he's somebody who can push Frank Harris to maybe not get him feeling so comfortable as the starter. Yeah. Well, and and I guess the question to me is, what have they told him? You know, have they told him, mm-hmm. 
that we think you could be the starter. Because the other thing, too, between him and Harris is that they are very different quarterbacks, right? Like, mm. that's, I think, the thing that's also a little surprising to me is that, you know, Adkins is, he's mobile, but he's a passer. You know, he's he's a yeah, passer. Right, right. And, and Frank Harris is definitely more of, like, an all-around athlete who passed the ball pretty decently when he got the chance, just not very far. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and so I guess my question is, like, what do they want from that position? That and, mm-hmm. and and the question I guess also is like, is Harris what they want in that position? Do they want a guy who's, you know, more of a run first quarterback in a lot of ways, or do they want somebody who is more of a passer? I mean, you look at, um, you know, I mean, you look kind of back at the quarterbacks that Trailer has had in the system, and obviously Ben Hicks at SMU. Um, well, mm-hmm. Ben Hicks at Arkansas too. I don't know whether that's you know the best <laughs> the best endorsement. Um, you know, at, at look up Ben Hicks measurables right now to see how they compare Josh. <laughs> if he just looked at him, he's like, ah, there's another one. Well, and and so um, you know, I believe that he was there for the last year um, when Shane Bouchel was a starter at Texas. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and then you go back to high school, McLean Carter. You know, all those guys are mm-hmm. more pass first guys. Um, you know, yeah. I mean, who could move, but not really you know that's not really what any of them are known for um but at the same time i mean again like i still have no idea what the hell utsa plans to do on offense and i don't think they have any idea either you know sure and i think i think um okay for the record he's uh atkins is 6'2 216 and ben hicks is 6'1 217 so So he he was like one inch that's fine let's take him um but no I i think from what you did describe there like you know, he is somebody who's a, you know, Frank Harris isn't tiny, right? He's not five, no. six. He's like, he's around, he's around six feet, five, 11. Um, and he's not like, he's not 180 pounds soaking wet. I think he is over 200, but like, this is a guy who's closer to 220, you know, maybe closer to six, six, one, six, two, right? A more yeah. ideal build for an FBS quarterback. Um, especially one who is more, I mean, I should say he can, like you said, he can move. Like, I don't want to say he's a, he's a dual threat, but he can definitely move, and he can. He's definitely a threat with his legs, not primarily uh, his uh, area of expertise. But I think it just gives them a different look, right? Yeah. Because when you when you look at somebody like a, a Lowell Narcisse, sure he has the build, but he doesn't have the mechanics, right? Right. Um, and so they maybe want somebody with that build, with the mechanics, to give the offense a different look. To maybe when they do get a chance to see these guys in practice. You know, they'd be able to throw him out there and Harris out there and say, okay, let's see how this offense works with either or. Yeah, and ultimately, at the end of the day, what this comes down to is that UTSA's quarterback situation since Dalton Sturm graduated, basically, has been mm-hmm. absolutely horrific. And yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know what is funny, though? I mean, let's put, it, yeah. let's put it this way. New Mexico State's quarterback has a non-zero chance of starting at UTSA. Like, that's not great. Like, no, that's bad. <laughs> Like New Mexico State That's has not bad. been good. No, and you know it's funny. I was uh, I was texting with our buddy Adrian Broadus from over at uh, Utah, from El Paso the other day, right? And he yeah. was telling me like, you want to know how bad our quarterback situation is? We've had eight people throw a pass since 2015, and I was like, well, I saw Ish say that uh, that Texas State has started six quarterbacks since 2016, and then you look at UTSA's and you're like, they might be worse. <laughs> like, it's just, if, oh, like man. if you if you yeah. have any question about why this has just been such a struggle the last couple of years, mm. you know again we've pretty much established that at this moment, and it'll probably change. There are four programs over the past three ish years 
that have just been pretty horrific in Texas, right? Like bottom 10, mm-hmm. bottom 15 type programs. Uh, you know, and, and Rice, I think, obviously has had a lot of youth at quarterback. And once they got Tom Stewart going, things changed real quick, right? Those right. other three teams at this point have not done anything about that. And I think that all three have guys who are promising right now. You know, I mean, I think that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, obviously we're – very high on Brady McBride. We're, we're, you know, we're all aboard that bandwagon, um, you know, and, and at UTEP, I mean, I don't know whether Gavin Hardison's going to be good right away, but I think that he has been good within him at least, which is better mm-hmm. than anybody that they've had. And, um, and right. you know, UTSA, again, Frank Harris hasn't been healthy, and, and they had another guy. Like, ultimately, that's the deal, right, is that you just got to find a guy. <laughs> and, and if you can't right. do that, you're not going to win, especially if you're an offensive first coach. Like, that's just football, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I think, yeah, I'll be curious. It, it is funny because, again, they just have so many scholarship guys on campus right now. And you just wonder how many of them are actually playable at this level. And, right. and I mean, I guess ultimately that's, that's why you turn to the transfer market because, <laughs> you know, I mean, hey, who knows? You know, like we haven't seen Sudden Sapien, but we've seen everybody else and they've been bad. <laughs> so... <laughs> You know, unless something's changing behind the scenes, who knows? So, you know, it never hurts. It never hurts. So, all right. Let's close with this, okay? So, I think that uh, we've been looking, you know, when you go on College Bowl Twitter, when you listen to College Bowl Podcast right now, everybody's doing rewatches of stuff, right? I, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I want to do rewatches quite as yet, maybe when we get further into the summer. But, um, but for me, I think that this is a perfect time to play one of my favorite games, which is called Remember That Guy? Like, yeah. <laughs> so I, I told Dish, okay, come up with a list of five players uh, from the 2010s in Texas college football. And sort of my stipulations, I mean, not that they're hard and fast rules, right? Is that somebody who's not an NFL guy, you know, like, hey, mm-hmm. remember Ed Oliver? Yeah, of course you do. Everybody does. You know, like, right. we, we don't want that. Uh, I don't really want a guy who was like a super all-conference guy. You know, and, and the fun thing about this, right, is like, both of us obviously were around different football throughout most of the 2010s. Like, I'm sure that you're gonna have a fun Texas State guy on there. Like, you better is it, really my, my mm-hmm. point. Yeah, come on now. Good, good, good. Okay, just make. <laughs> Who do you think I am? <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I mean that, that's the fun thing, right? Is like, just, like uh, I think it's Jim Weber on Twitter always plays a game called "Who's the most random football player you're thinking of right now?" Right, and we would just throw out any name. It, it's awesome. It's awesome. Okay. Why don't you do your five first, and then I'll do my five, okay? Okay. I have four. I'm still trying to think of one okay. for five, for but Go I'll list it. my four. So my f- my first one is DJ Monroe from Texas. All right. I think All he right. was the – I think he's the guy who the, – the the myth around DJ Monroe was always greater than the player of <laughs> DJ Monroe because was, he was always the guy in the midst of – uh, he was the early 2010s, but he was always the guy in the midst of, like, the worst era of, like, late-era <laughs> Brad Davis, who, like, never got the ball and everyone was mad. Yeah. <laughs> or Greg Davis, sorry, not Brad Davis. Um, and um, he was always like, why isn't DJ Monroe getting the ball? And then I looked back at his stats, I was like, he was, like, 300 yards rushing, <laughs> 400 yards receiving. Like, he was okay. <laughs> but I always remember, because, like, orangebloods.com... Um, all, all these websites, all these forums was like, DJ Monroe's on the sideline and that's a travesty. And it's like, <laughs> he wasn't that good. <laughs> he was okay. <laughs> he was more of a special teams kick return specialist, but like, 
I just remember so many times. I was like, why are we handing the ball off to so-and-so and not putting DJ Monroe on the field? And I was like, he... And at the time, I was one of those guys, too. And then I was like, wait, why is he... Why was I like that? <laughs> like, okay, well... So he was just a guy... He was just a guy that I remember. <laughs> so, so you know, I, I have to say, okay, again, I'll, I'll let you go through years later, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a, a player also from the University of Texas who was basically that exact same thing to me. Josh Johnson. Okay. Everybody just freaked out that that he didn't get the ball, and like they were like, "Oh man, this you gotta account for this guy. You got you know you, you gotta, gotta get the ball to him." Yeah, and I was just like, I barely remember him contributing in a football game. Like, am I missing something? <laughs> like, but but like yep. he was just. In fact, I gotta look up John stats right now because yeah, I mean it was like the same sort of thing where it's like, oh yeah. His best season was his senior year. He had 415 yards. The amount of words he got for somebody who got, you know, 85 passes in his entire career. Oh, like, you just think that he was on the freaking moon. But I'm Golly. But, it was, who, why? Just like, why? <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was the, it was the uh, I mean, it was the fascination with the unknown, right? Yeah. You were like, you saw him do something crazy and you're like, what if he just... What if we give him the ball to him more? He'll do that all the time. Like, you know? Dude, and and you know? I feel like I feel like I mean, obviously, partially because it's Texas. Texas just has these guys. I mean, that's just the reality yeah. of it, right? But like, there are just some of these players, man, that that are especially at Texas, where it's just like he had one good game once, I think. And like, mm-hmm. why do you keep talking about him? You know, like mm-hmm. like for me, I mean, and, and obviously his last two years, I think he got better, but like. The first two years of Colin Johnson it was like, I don't see it. <laughs> I don't, see, right, I don't right. see what you're talking about. Now he, be- he became, especially as a junior, a really good player. But like, oh man, <laughs> it's mm-hmm. a lot. So I have uh, I have two Texas State players. Okay. I'm just gonna go, go yeah. ahead and get out the way. Um, I have Michael Odiari, which Texas State fans will remember as. The six foot, two hundred forty five pound defensive tackle who had nine sacks in twenty fourteen. <laughs> <laughs> that was he was incredible to watch. He was so much fun. Um, and then CJ Best, which is Javid Best's cousin, I believe, oh, wow. and he was a very, very underrated uh, utility player who actually did do a lot of things. And you were wondering why they didn't get him the ball more. Um, I believe, I want to say his best season, he ended up with like six hundred or so receiving yards, something around there. Um, but it was like, let me see, 2015, 591 yards receiving, only one touchdown, 58 catches. Um, and I want to say he was, but he was also not a return specialist. Yeah, I don't think he was a return specialist or anything. But every time they got the him the ball, you're like, man, he's doing some stuff. Like, why isn't, you know, it, it was his last year that he kind of broke on to. And it's like, where's this been the past couple of years? Um, and then, of course, my last one of my four that I had was uh, Dreyfus Jackson. Of rice, uh, on, I, I almost put him on um, my list. I almost put him on my. I, list. I had. I, I wanted to make sure that he didn't make. I want to say he did. He he didn't make it all. All Cusa, did he? He might have been honorable mention. I, I think he still counts. Maybe, but I mean, come on, you got to put you got to put the guy that led Rice to their best years in recent in recent times. So they Travis won Jackson's ten fine. games. Yeah, or did they and win nine? He, <laughs> I I think that they might have won nine. I, I want to say. I want to say he was a backup on the ten win team, and then I think he won. Okay, I think okay. he won nine, eight or nine when he started. But they won. 18 or 19 games Still, in two yeah. years. What? Right. what? <laughs> That's right. insane. No, it's... Yeah. Oh, man. They're... Yeah, I, I just... 
I, that's still just so wild to me. I remember it because because uh, Rice came and played Baylor the year after their ten win year, I believe. I believe that that's when they won uh, eight or nine, whatever it was, the next season. And I'm like, mm-hmm. wait, wait a minute, <laughs> Rice? <laughs> You're talking about Rice? <laughs> <laughs> like the school down in Houston, I didn't even realize that they, you know, had football at the time or anything, you know. But right. but uh, I mean, obviously, I've learned a lot. Don't don't tweet at me or anything. I know that Rice plays football, <laughs> but but uh, man, it, that, that that was a crazy team. And like, man, obviously, like David Bale has been a legend for many years in the state for a million reasons. But taking Rice to ten wins is just off the charts man it's just mm-hmm. off the charts mm-hmm. okay okay so so like i mentioned Dodger johnson was one of one of mine um it's, that's a good one like that. yeah i there's sorting through the rest of them is hard like i i definitely thought of like a lot of guys you know because it's right. just it's the game right <laughs> to think, yeah. just think of guys right um i'm gonna go with uh my next one okay i've got a baylor offense and baylor defense guy um, you know, Go for it. that's team I covered, team I whatever. Sure. Uh, this dude, very bad start to his two year career at Baylor, and then by the end, it was he was one of the best defensive players that I've seen play at Baylor. Eddie Lackey. Eddie Lackey mm, okay. was a linebacker. Nice. So, so in that 2013 year, right, Bryce Hager gets hurt, um, and they shift him over to middle linebacker. This dude's like five foot nine. Like this dude is. is mm-hmm. <laughs> tiny right and they're just like what if you played in the middle against big 12 defense or big 12 offenses and this dude was just a baller man he just he was just one of those guys who just like would run into things like he just did not care what could happen to his body like he just Mm -hmm. he just did not care about it whatsoever and man that it was crazy man it was crazy uh the guy on offense though a guy who I thought had a chance to do something in the league, but then I realized that he's like 130 pounds. Tevin Reese. Tevin Reese was... Okay, okay. He, so he was like the big-time speedster on those 2013 Baylor teams, right? So so basically mm-hmm. his job was to run in a straight line with his, you know, 4-3 speed and do nothing else. Like he had no other right. skills at all. <laughs> but, <laughs> but he got hurt, I believe... Week seven or eight against, uh, I think it was against, I don't remember what it was against, maybe against Kansas State or something like that. And mm-hmm. as soon as he went down, Baylor's offense just was different, right? It was still good, but it was just not the same whatsoever because they didn't have one guy who just run in a straight line down the field. And, like, and he's just one of those guys, too, that, like, he looked like he was like 29 when he was a junior in college. It's just, it's just the whole nine yards, man. And and it's funny too, because like I had never seen him or talked to him before I reported, obviously my so- starting my sophomore year. So like when I saw him, I'm like, wait, that's what Tevin Reese looks like. <laughs> just the best guys, the best guys in my opinion. Okay. So I've got another conference USA quarterback uh, who, who I actually just mentioned, I guess. Who would have thought, that UTSA would just fall off a freaking cliff once Dalton Sturm left. Just that that everything that he's apparently the greatest quarterback in the history of this. Well, I, so so I so I have, I'll, I'll let you finish. I, I I just figured out my fifth. But go ahead. Yeah, I mean it was unbelievable. Honestly, like it, yeah. it was just. I mean, and he's a good player, right? Like he was one of those guys who obviously could could run around and kind of throw with the ball. You know, he, he was just a heady player, right? He wasn't super talented mm-hmm. necessarily, but he's just one of those guys who made every good decision and like 
He got invited to Cowboys camp. What? What the <laughs> hell? The quarterback from UTSA, like who who was who seemed like he was fine, but again, clearly he was covering up for everything, <laughs> right. and and managed to obviously take them to a bowl game, get them to bowl eligibility a year later. I mean, oh man, I. I'm sure that UTSA fans will remember forever, but everybody else needs to remember Dalton Sturm too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I um, mine is another the UTSA quarterback before uh, Dalton Sturm, Eric Souza, <laughs> uh, because I remember him frustrating the hell out of me when I was in college, and they played in their first game against Texas State, and I believe, God, what did he finish with? He finished with, like. 97 yards rushing or something like that and i was like where did this come from? like what how is he doing that and why is he doing that like, i just remember being so mad uh because i believe they won 38 31 that game was utsa's first year um and of course it was a hyped game and everybody at texas was just so upset that you know that utsa built a better program in the span of a year um but let me see. i'm trying to find his numbers from that from that texas state game uh 15 of 30 for 200 yards uh, where's the rushing numbers right here? Nine yards, uh, nine carries for 97 yards rushing. <laughs> and yeah, so I forgot those one. Lo- I forgot what the long run was in there, but I'm just watching the game and I'm just like, how is this possible? And I just, Eric Sosa, I'll always hate Eric Sosa more than Dalton Stern because <laughs> I, I did not know where that was coming from. <laughs> and he was okay. Like Stern was a clearly better quarterback, but Sosa... Obviously, will hold a better uh, a place in UTSA fans' hearts because he was the first. But um, I just remember watching. I'm like, this guy's this guy's doing stuff that he shouldn't be doing. <laughs> Let me see. His first year as a whack starting quarterback was uh, 58% completion, 2,000 yards uh, throwing, 20 touchdowns, only three picks. I'll give him that. <laughs> so yeah, didn't throw a lot, but he didn't make mistakes either. So Eric Sosa. Oh man. Man. So, so this last one's pretty hard for me. I mean, I okay. I I got to give out like a couple that are that did maybe become NFL guys, did become you know sort of all conference guys. Watching Will Hernandez at UTEP, man, that yeah. that guy did not belong. That guy did not belong <laughs> in the middle of all of that. And, not at all. And actually, the other the other UTEP one, it's funny. So so back when I was like the Baylor blogger at the Morning News. Uh, they used to have us do basically a best in Texas, uh, you know, survey poll, whatever. Um, and, and they'd rank all the teams one through 12 and, and they assigned us out to have to write, uh, you know, like we would do the school that we covered. So I did Baylor and then we also had to do one other. So I always had to do UTEP mm-hmm. and like every week it was like, is, does anybody know about this Aaron Jones guy? <laughs> like, <laughs> does any, he just, uh, he had 178 yards the other day. <laughs> Like, and this is this is during a period too when like, you know, Shock Linwood's in the state, but like, there wasn't really a great running back other than him in the state, and it was just like, mm-hmm. wait, he put up how many yards, and and they won how many games? They won three games. That's it. Like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. So that that was just one from across the state that was always fun to me. But oh, man, this last one is hard. Uh, uh see, I. Okay, I'm 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 just gonna go with this one because I get to also touch two schools with this. Okay, Kenny Hill. <laughs> Kenny Hill mm, was very yeah, recent. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, he's he's not that much of a hey remember him because people do remember him. But like, right. same sort of deal as Dalton Sturm, right? Where it's just like, 
oh, maybe maybe he was a lot better than we thought he was. Like maybe he was just may, maybe TC was actually that bad, right? Like mm-hmm. like may, maybe that was the issue. Like well, so I'm kind of I'm I, I have a I have a question. Yeah, where is it that Kenny Hill? Is it is it that people remember him, or is that people remember what came after him? <laughs> I mean, like, if, if you ask Kenny TCU Hill fans, I know the answer repla- to that. <laughs> right, right. If Kenny Hill was replaced by somebody, anybody, yeah. like anybody pretty okay. Like if he was replaced by, I feel like I always use him. If he was replaced by Case McCoy, <laughs> I feel like I feel like he's always the example. But if he was replaced by Case McCoy, does anybody really like, remember Kenny Hill? He was really good, right? Or is it like <laughs> the fact that he was replaced by everybody we've seen him replaced by since? <laughs> Yeah, that you were like, hey, remember competent quarterback play? It's it's a fair question. It's a fair question, and and again, like you said, same sort of deal with Dalton Sturm, where it's just like, who? So you're saying it can be worse? Oh man! Right, right, right. <laughs> you're saying that this was not the floor. This might have been closer to the ceiling. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it's 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 bad out there, man. It. it... <laughs> okay, so. A couple other guys who who I thought about. I thought about BJ Catalan from TCU. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Aaron Green came after him, and Aaron Green was a way better player. But Catalan was just one of those guys who was just always frustrating. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. You know, from Baylor, another guy I thought of was Levi Norwood. He was just like always like mm. the fifth receiver on those teams, and then just would make one play a season that was just like, oh wow, you just ruined somebody's life. <laughs> you know? Right. <laughs> um, let's see, who else did I think about? I thought about Josh Reynolds from Texas A&M, but he's kind of made it in the league, so I don't feel like he really counts yeah, anymore. Yeah, no, he's yeah. He was very yeah. No, I don't think it. Right, I don't. Think, I, don't I think. I think. Even if even if they, I think you. I think you made a good point with just kind of discounting the league altogether. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. I think because you could you could throw a bunch of guys in there where you're just like, oh okay, you know, like Christine Michael and all that, right. where it's like. You know, he might have been underrated at AM, but I mean he made a career in the NFL. Right. It's fine. Like, things turned out okay for him. <laughs> right, I mean, right. I will say, man, again, having covered those Baylor teams, it is absolutely like I knew he was a good player. The fact that Xavier Howard is the highest paid cornerback in the NFL is something that I still pretty weird. Cannot believe. Pretty weird. <laughs> I knew he was a good player, right? Pretty I weird. was very early yeah. on the Xavier Howard hype train, but like not like this. Not like this. Pretty weird. <laughs> <laughs> or let's see. There was one, and he was pretty. At the time, I wished AM fans would shut up about him, but Ryan Swope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's kind of insane that Ryan Swope was, like, as productive as he was. And, like, real, insanely productive. Yeah. Like, right. he was the one that kind of. I mean, Mike Evans obviously helped, but, like, he was the one that really benefited from that Johnny Manziel year. Yeah. Um, or actually, was he? Yeah, he was. He was around for that Johnny Manziel year. Yeah. Um, uh, and he so, was the first obviously. Yeah. yeah, and then he was more so Tannehill and Mike Sherman. But, yeah. still. Um,. Still, every AM fan was like, oh, Ryan Swope, Ryan Swope, Ryan Swope. And I'm like, shut up, he's not that good. And then, like, you look back, he's like, no, he was actually, they probably should have been a little louder about it. AM is, uh, <laughs> is pretty heavy on the, you know, we talked about the Texas guys who everybody talked about and then, like, were nothing. AM was right. heavy on the guys who, like, they didn't use. They wouldn't stop talking about them? Yeah, well, well they, would, they would talk about them a lot, but they wouldn't use them. And then they got to the NFL and they're like, what happened? Like, why didn't you use him better? <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like, oh, wow, Josh Reynolds, like, very good player at A&M. Oh, freaking beast yeah. in the NFL, apparently. Right. Like, uh, like, you know, I mean, obviously there's a million pieces of context with this, but like, oh, 
Kyle Allen started NFL games and like was okay, mm-hmm. and you couldn't turn him yeah. into anything. <laughs> you know, yeah. it was just like, how about, how about uh oh, here's another one. Uh, he went, he transferred, but uh, Jamil Showers. Oh, yeah, <laughs> you mean safety Jameel, Jameel Showers? showers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, seven and six at UTEP, Jamil Jamil Showers. Insane, Put man. some respect on that man's name. Jamil Showers, Will Hernandez, and Aaron Jones all on one offense on a team. And they drug them to seven and seven six. And six. <laughs> Apparently they that's what it takes. Utah. That's what it takes, man. You need three NFL caliber players. Oh man. Oh man. This was fun. This was fun. Yeah, was but, you know, I, I think that I think that we can bring this back every so often. Just hey, remember that guy. <laughs> remember remember some dudes. <laughs> well, Hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll have some more dudes to remember in the coming weeks. Uh, ho- hopefully, obviously, we'll find some new dudes to remember. I mean, it's heck just added an offensive lineman named Nerger. Like, if we don't remember him, man, like, what has this all been about? <laughs> what are we even doing right. here? All right. right. Well, as always, uh, thanks to everybody for listening. Uh, you can find us at TexasFootball.com. You can follow us on Facebook, Dave Campbell Sucks Football. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTF. You can subscribe, textfootball.com slash subscribe. Uh, one new feature that we've been doing, first of all, uh, if you're a high school fan, we have been completely uh, still up with all the daily shows at noon. They're doing it from home. It's, I'll tell you what, the amount of planning that needs to go into just one of these things is far too much, th- far more than I'd like. And, and they're doing <laughs> one of these things every single day. So, I mean, if, if you're a high school fan, you need to get out there. And they're also doing a new feature called the Dave Campbell Sex Football Happy Hour. 5 p.m. on Fridays on Facebook Live. They've brought in some pretty wild guests already. Uh, who'd they bring in? They, they've brought in, obviously, Aaron Hardigan. They brought in uh, Rick Renner. Uh, Craig, Craig Way. Way. Yeah, that was the first one. That's mm-hmm. insane. You know, to start mm-hmm. with the voice of Texas. Um, I, I know that if you're a high school fan, this Friday's is going to be a must-listen. I, I don't know if they've announced it, so we won't say anything, but it's a, it's a must-listen. Right. So uh, make sure and get over there. Look, I... You don't have anything going on on Friday. You might as well go hang out with your friends. So, uh, so 5 p.m. Facebook Live uh, on the Dave Campbell's X Football Facebook page. All right. Uh, thanks, everybody, for joining us. We'll talk to you again next week.